Support for WAER Original Podcasts comes from California Closets of Syracuse, located in DeWitt. California Closets can help you get your entire home organized with custom design storage solutions for the home office, kitchen pantry, closets, and more. Online at californiaclosets.com. Music is truly global these days, and I don't just mean that you can hear BTS or Lady Gaga in every club on the planet. Case in point, not too long ago, I was in a taxi cab in Istanbul. The driver was listening to a Tunisian group rapping in French over American beats underneath a melody from an Indian sitar. This is Pop Life from WAER. I'm Kendall Phillips, and my guest today embodies the global nature of contemporary music. Shannon Bush, better known as Wilson, is an Australian singer who channels the Motown sound into contemporary pop music. Her search for her own sound took her to Los Angeles and Nashville before returning home to record her debut album, Those Days Are Over, which critics are hailing as masterful and a highly impressive debut. Wilson, welcome to Pop Life. Thank you for having me. Thrilled to have you. I always love having talented people. I have no talent. So when I meet talented people, my first question is always, when did you know you had this incredible voice? What was the moment when you said, oh, wow, this is something special? (laughs) Well, first off, you are talented. Interviewing is a big talent that I can't do. So (laughs) You're very gracious. Um, The first time... I know hmm, that's a really hard question because I think it was more of a gradual sort of um, realization. I guess I've been in music since I was a very young girl, always loved singing. I'm talking about five, six years old, like very young. I was always in school choirs, school bands. um, But I think like one of the first moments I remember is probably my grade one or two music teacher, Mrs. Greaves. <laughs> Hello, Mrs. Greaves. Um, shout out to her. She told my mom that I was um, sort of like enjoying music and really into singing. And so she was the first person to really sort of like go to my mom, hey, you should put her in singing lessons to see what happens. Um, so that was when I was about five or six. So I guess that's the first time. <laughs> That is very impressive. So when did you decide, or what was the gradual process to say, I mean, again, every most people think they can sing, you know, most people can't, but some people can't, I mean, some people can sing, but it's clearly a decision to say, I'm going to take this and I'm going to run with it. What was that process like? And how was that received by your family when you said, hey, guess what I'm going to do? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be a musician for all of my life. <laughs> um, I... I think I started really, really enjoying singing and realizing that I was good at it or um, I thought I was good at it. Um, Maybe when I was about 13, 14 in high school and you kind of like, I really enjoyed it and I loved it. But when like other people start going to you like, hey, this, this, you are good at this, like you should keep going. It it confirms it for you and you're like, oh, well, maybe I am all right at this. but yeah, probably early high school was when I really was like, I want to be this when I grow up, basically. So you're yeah. singing in school, in the choir, in music classes. Are you out singing in public at that point when you're in high school? Are you out there at um, shows, at clubs, karaoke? I mean, you had to be the star of every karaoke bar in Melbourne, right? 
I actually hate doing karaoke. I hate it because everyone expects so much from you when you're a singer. It's like it's meant to be a fun night out and you don't want to like, you know, bring it down by singing like a singing a serious song really well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I actually don't like doing karaoke, <laughs> but, um, in high school, my teachers, like my, the people who ran the music department at my school were really into jazz and soul and they enlisted me. They had like their, um, outside of school, they had like a, a band that the teachers like banded together and had their own little jazz band. They still do to this day. And they enlisted me as a young teenager to be their lead singer, which was kind of wild, like singing with these, um, you know, 40, 50-year-old adults. Um, so that was probably my first taste. We did sing at a few little bars around. I'm from a town in um, Australia called Geelong. So we did sing at a few bars when I was, like, possibly underage. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we won't go there. Um, but yeah, I did, I did, um, perform a bunch, but not, I wouldn't say I was doing, it was with my teachers. So it wasn't like raucous or anything. Yeah, it was very subdued. <laughs> That's so then you decide, uh, at some point to, to pursue this academically. I, I know, you, I think you went to the Victoria College of the Arts, which is, uh, as I understand it, a very prestigious and well-known, uh, uh, art school in Australia. When you enroll at Victoria, what's the plan is it to be a singer is it to what what are you really thinking at that point is going to be the long-term plan at that point i was really into being a jazz singer like i loved ella fitzgerald and billy holiday and i'd come up in that school that i was just telling you about with all those teachers that were really into jazz so that was what i was thinking at that point and the course that i did at the vca is a bachelor of jazz so it's like oh. very strictly um jazz music and so, but I already had this other love for soul and I loved Aretha Franklin and Etta James since I was a young girl. Um, so it was kind of like a battle in my head between, you know, do I want to be like a jazz singer or do I want to be a loud, soulful, like Aretha Franklin type voice? And those years at the VCA kind of confirmed to me, as much as I love jazz, that that actually wasn't what I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. um, so I started in that time, I started writing soul music in that sort of like three years at university. And it wasn't very accepted in that course, I have to say. <laughs> like I was like the odd one out. Everyone else was like strictly into jazz. Um, and I had like this wider sort of, like I was into pop. I love Alicia Keys, Sam Smith that kind of like soulful pop. And that wasn't really cool at uni in that course. Sure. So um, it, it was a weird three years for me, but I did, the one positive thing to come out of that course was I did meet some amazing musicians that are, are still in my band to this day. So that was a, a positive to come out of it. I'm curious about this, this early love of, of soul what other were there other kinds of music you're into so i'm always curious like what do you do you remember the first album you ever bought for yourself like that you said i'm gonna buy that i want this um i have been asked this question before and it's really embarrassing the answer <laughs> you're everything's welcome on pop so i grew up and my dad had an amazing cd collection so i didn't really need to buy any of the classics like he already had all of 
out of James and Aretha and Billy and Nina Simone and Stevie Wonder and all that. So I was like, I had all of that already in my house. So the first thing I bought with my own money, I think I was about maybe 14 when this happened, Christina Aguilera's Stripped. Do you remember that album where she's got the... That is perfectly respectable. I mean, the cover's not, but the purchase is fine. That's fine. My mom was horrified when I bought that home because she's got like these pants that have a huge rip in the crotch area. <laughs> and I was like 13 or 14. Anyway, I loved Christina as a teenager as well. So, yeah, that was my first CD. <laughs> was she the first? Or I guess the other the question would be, what's the first musical artist that you really felt connected to? I always feel like, I think when I was a teenager, I think a lot of people, they're teenager. There's a point where there's some artist, a singer, a band that you just say, that is me. Like, I get that. That is my identity. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's embarrassing. But But do you remember what the band was or the artist was for you that you were just like, yeah. That is my life. That's my soul. Um, For me, it's got to be Aretha Franklin. When I discovered her and her voice, thanks to my dad for showing me the Blues Brothers movie. Do you know that movie? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I watched it many times as a teenager and I always used to just rewind to that scene in the diner where she's singing Think. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for me, that was a huge realisation because I fell in love with her voice and her passion and her soul, um, and, and yeah, she's been my number one favorite singer ever since then. So, she's oh, amazing talent. Me. Yeah, amazing <laughs> talent. And, and, it, and you could have been inspired to start a chicken restaurant, but instead you were inspired to yeah. start, which is probably a good thing. So, I'm curious, yeah. were you a little different than the average high schooler in Geelong? I mean, were, were, yes. were a lot of kids into Aretha Franklin, or were I'm guessing they were probably into other things i'm not sure what what that would have been nobody was into aretha franklin at my age (laughs) well not at my school i'm sure all the way because i'm from australia i'm sure in america or europe it would be a little different our soul scene like we don't really have the history here of soul music um like you guys do but yeah i i was definitely the odd one out in my friendship group with my musical taste (laughs) and thank goodness because it made you who you are today so I'm curious about, you know, reading your bio and, and, and reading some other interviews, you've sort of talked about, you've already talked here a little bit about this, I guess what you might call a struggle to find your voice. Like you were, you were raised with jazz and in a jazz program, that would have been easier. You were surrounded by people who were, I don't know, listening to Christina Aguilera or whoever else it might have been. That would have been an easy choice. How do you make the decision that, that this is what your sound is? Yeah, I actually struggled with that decision for a few years there because um, I really, really love soul music and it's my number one love, but I I was a bit scared of going that route because I live in Australia, I'm, I'm Australian, and like I said, we don't really have the soul history here, so it's a bit daunting, a bit scary putting out something with, like you don't know how many people in Australia like soul music because it doesn't get played on our radio here. It doesn't like, it's not mainstream. Um, there is a scene, it's small and passionate, but it at that age I was like, well, I don't know, like if this is going to work, if I put out soul music. So that's at that point I was kind of leaning towards more of a um, poppier soul, like Adele, Sam Smith type soul, because that's like palatable here in Australia. People um, love those two artists. 
and I do as well. So I was like, I can do this. <laughs> I, if that's what I have to do to, you know, put out music, I, you know, I can live with this um, and I won't make classic soul music. So for a few years I was doing that and it didn't feel right to me at all. Like mm. I really just wanted to make classic Aretha Franklin style or Etta James style soul music. And I actually had a moment um, a few years ago. I supported the Teskey Brothers. Do you know the Teskey Brothers? Of yeah, course, sure. They're one of my favourite Australian bands. I supported them on a tour around Europe and it was 16 dates. And I had my set of like poppier Adele style um, songs and I took them on tour with the Teskey Brothers who were like really soulful. And uh, watching them sing to those huge they sold out their whole tour basically and they were these huge rooms of just soul-loving music fans enamoured by them every night and I got to watch them do that and it was just really great to see that there is a market out there and there is pe there are people out there that really love this music. So that was like a big turning point for me. I realised, I was like, well, there are people out here that I can, you know, I just need to reach them somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and, um so after that tour, I made the, the decision to release soul music and that was kind of when I discovered, you know, that's the sound I want and here we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and a great and a great new album. But I'm curious, let me ask one more question about this. So I'm very curious about that feeling you, you talked about, about kind of not feeling like this was right. So what did that, like, what did that really feel like when you're, you're singing songs, you're writing songs, they're, you know, reasonably successful, they're pop songs, yeah. they fit with what people want. And yet what is it in you? Is it a gut feeling? Is it your heart? Is it just disappointment? What is it, it that feeling of saying, this is not me? Yeah, it was all of that. So gut feeling, um, disappointed that, like disappointed in myself that I wasn't happy enough doing this kind of music. And also just disappointed that I felt like I couldn't do what I loved. Um, but I got over that eventually and wrote this album and it was like a weight. It was like a weight off my shoulders, basically. And also, like, when I decided to do this sound in this album, a independent record label came along, which had never, like, I had never been really contacted by labels or anything like that. And like all these people started pricking their ears up. So it just goes to show that when I started doing the thing that I really truly loved, good things started happening, um, which is what I wanted the whole time. <laughs> so it was my own fault, really. <laughs> well, I, but it's probably part of the journey, you know, part of yeah. the, you it, know, if you, if you didn't get the there thing. the way you got there, right? Yeah, would I have written these same songs five years ago if I decided to do it then? Who knows? I probably wouldn't have. So it's all part of the journey. <laughs> you talked. You talked about the Teskey Brothers again, a great kind of blues soul band for folks who have not uh, heard them. They're 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 really very very impressive. I know you sang with John Teskey uh, on the new album. Are there other contemporary artists that you look around and say? Yeah, that's kind of a recent artist that you feel have kind of kept soul alive or created the space that you're kind of trying to play in? Yes. I mean, there honestly aren't heaps. Like, not definitely not in Australia, not the mm. classic Motown sort of sound. You guys have heaps of um, cool artists over there. Like, um, I love Lady Ray. I know she's not, like, 
super like she's not like brand new she's been around for a while but she's keeping that sound alive I love her so much and also um hmm, who else I love the Alabama Shakes I know they're not Motown but, but they bring that sort of like soulful sound to rock which I feel like was missing for a while yeah, there sure. um who else there's heaps of people. <laughs> so, in, in some of the reviews I've, I've heard, reviewers uh, liken you to Amy Winehouse. So, I'm curious. Probably, hopefully, not the the more tragic elements of, of Amy Winehouse's <laughs> life. Um, but does that feel good to you, or does that feel like a hey, I'm doing my thing that's different? Um. Well, I am a huge Amy Winehouse fan. And she's obviously, I don't know why I forgot to say her in the last question you asked me about people who have kept Motown alive. <laughs> I kind of just forget about it sometimes because she's such an obvious choice. Um, but I was obsessed with her for my whole, when I discovered her, I was like, this is, you know, amazing. And um, I I do like, I like being compared to her because it's a little bit of a, um, I take it as a compliment. Let's just say that. <laughs> a big, big compliment. A it's big interesting compliment. to me. It does seem, at least again, in the U.S., I don't have a clear sense of the charts or, or interest in Australia or other parts of the world, but we do seem to have a kind of renewed space for what I would call big voice female singers. So you know, Amy Winehouse yeah. is certainly one. Adele is one. Brandi Carlile, who's again, again, a little more of a kind of folk Amazing. country singer. But again, these kind of Lucy Dacus, who's another kind of American folk singer, big, strong voice. You kind of seem to be in that as opposed to, you know, other female singers who are maybe the softer, breathier voice. Do you feel mm -hmm. like there's a kind of moment where people are kind of open up to the big strong so. yeah I definitely think so I think it all goes in cycles and for a while the um softer voices were very popular and like whispery sort of breathy singing and I like I can do that but it's just not what I love so I yeah it's I'm really happy that, <laughs> that um you know people's opinions have slowly changed over the past few years and now big voices are having their moment it's awesome <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a great time to be there. So I am yeah. curious about sort of continuing back to this this tracing of your journey, which has led us to this amazing new album, Those Days Are Over, which is available out there for all of our listeners to go check out on Spotify and other places and hopefully go buy and buy merchandise and come to the tour and all those things we hope they'll do. You came to America. And I'm curious about if that is partly just because America is still kind of an epicenter of a lot of global music companies and all that transnational uh, commerce, et cetera. But I'm also wondering, you know, what, let's start with the question, what did you come to the U.S. for? What were you looking for when you came, I think, first to Los Angeles? Like, what were you hoping to accomplish by coming here? Um, well, America for me has always been, like all of the artists I grew up listening to are all from, basically from America. Um, and so you guys have that history of like soul and blues and, it's where the music I love comes from. So in my head, it's always kind of been the, um, what do you call it? Just like, you know, where I, where I would want to end up basically. Um, and I got me, got myself an O1 visa and cause I had a publisher based in LA. I have a publisher based in LA. So they helped me get a visa and we didn't really have, like a solid plan there was no like 
I'm going to go and do this and then I'm going to play here and do this. We just, I just kind of went to see what would happen basically. And it was kind of a struggle <laughs> when I talk about those two years in my life, it was probably the hardest two years. It's like starting from scratch in a whole new place. And, you know, we didn't have much money. It was like, um, it, yeah, it was a hard time and, uh, but um, an amazing time because I lived in Nashville, which is basically music city and met so many amazing musicians who some of them played like on my album overseas. Like we sent them stuff when, when I had moved back to Australia at this point, we sent them songs to play on and they'd send their parts back. And uh, we still have some great friends there today that I wouldn't have met if I didn't go and live there. But um, it was Nashville's wild. Like everyone's a musician. <laughs> it's true. The town is like, well, the city is like saturated with musicians, which is kind of why it was sort of hard because we were like going there trying to make it and then everyone else is also trying to make it as well. <laughs> so it was a bit of a struggle, but um yeah, we I moved back just before COVID hit, so I haven't been back for three years. <laughs> was Nashville helpful in finding your sound or was it just hard? Because it sounds like it was, and I could totally get, you know, maybe, maybe you should have gone to Lincoln, Nebraska, where there was like one yeah, singer. And you, you could have been the one singer, and no offense to my listeners in Nebraska. Um, but, you know, what was there anything about being in Nashville that helped craft that song? Or was it just a matter of saying, yeah, this isn't right? Um, the thing I felt most positive about being in Nashville about was the fact that my voice was um, really appreciated there. Like, because the caliber of art, like the caliber of singers in America is wild. Like you guys have some of the best singers in the world. And in Australia, we kind of like punk indie rock music over here where you like yell and you don't have to be a really great singer. And that's what's appreciated over here. And so for years, like I've felt kind of unseen and um, I don't know unnoticed which you know I'm sure a lot of musicians do but when I got to America I played South by Southwest and in Austin and oh my god that first show Americans just don't care about showing you that they like you basically they were like yelling from the crowd like whooping at me and that just doesn't happen in Australia when you do like a big vocal lick you kind of just get like stared at like what is she doing but in America, you guys were like, woo. And it was just, it was, it was a confirm, it was confirming to me that, you know, you know, I'm not bad. <laughs> <laughs> like Australia made me feel for a few years there. Um, and it just felt very welcoming in music. Like everyone was like really welcoming in Nashville. Um Everyone was super talented and they would share their talent with you. Like people would play in my band and it was just, I ended up in this little community of friends where everyone just played in each other's bands half the time for free. And it was just like, yeah, it was just super lovely to be a part of. <laughs> no, American audiences are probably prone to say, if like you, we let you know. And if we don't like you, we let you know yes. fairly quickly. Yeah. I'm wondering, I guess what other question about that is, um, you know, coming to America, thinking about, I guess, both soul and blues as being musical styles that are so deeply invested in, in America, 
but also particularly the black American experience. I mean, these are things that came mm -hmm. out of the Mississippi Delta that came up through Chicago, through Detroit as a yeah. very particular, you know, expression of a kind of a cultural experience was mm -hmm. part of coming to Nashville in the United States. Was there any, did you find any connection, I guess, to that longer history of soul beyond just the voices and the music and the artists, but kind of the history, I guess, that it carries with it? Yeah. I, I mean, I've always felt, because I know where the history comes from. Like, I didn't experience it, but I'm not blind to, like, um, you know, the stories in some of the songs. Like, I know what, like, I know how the blues was created, like, you know, and what all the songs are about. And it's a very particular um, experience that, black people have gone through and I always have been wary of being a white girl singing soul and blues like it's always on my mind and that was also a part of why I, it took me so long to do it because I was always just like flip-flopping back between like is this appropriate like should I be doing this um but when I got to America actually that was where I felt the most encouraged by African Americans in the U.S. they were like you have to do this. Like I met quite a few people that were, you know, shocked that white girl has this, <laughs> has this voice. <laughs> um, but it's always been in the back of my mind. And I, I feel like I'm more paying sort of homage to those sort of stories it, from um, my perspective. And I know that it's nothing like their perspective at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really, really appreciate the music and I feel like it's what I sort of, um, I don't know, you can't help the music you sort of relate to the most, I guess. Yeah. And no, it, just I think comes, it... it comes out like I enjoy listening to Aretha Franklin and um, appreciate all the struggles she went through and I get where it comes from in her artistry as well. Yeah. No, I think it's great to carry that style of music as you know with that with that awareness that this is coming yeah. from you know not just great artists but a, a deep tradition of gospel music and et cetera et cetera. Yes. So I have to ask okay. the question: Where the name Wilson? Why did you choose Wilson as your <laughs> performing name? Yeah, I feel like I need to like change this story because <laughs> it's so silly, um, and everyone asks me, but. So I named myself after after a toy that I had when I was a young, young girl. It was like a plush, soft toy gorilla, and he was wearing a little yellow T-shirt with big, bold letters on the front that what I thought said Wilson. <laughs> and so I, I it's always stuck in my brain. He's gone. I don't know where the oh. toy is right now. Um, but it's always stuck in my brain. So when I went to name myself, I was like, oh, name myself Wilson. And then my older sister, who obviously has a better memory than I do of that time, asked me where I got my name from. And I was like, you know, the toy that said Wilson. And she was like, that toy's name was Winston. <laughs> so my cute little origin story doesn't even work. <laughs> from, from me, I think it's even cuter that you got the name wrong. And I'm not yeah. sure Winston would, I think that might be a little. It doesn't quite know. have the same ring. <laughs> So the new album, Those Days Are Over, is is out. It's uh, available. I know you're uh, getting ready for a tour of Australia. What is next for Wilson? What What is the next stage of launching global conquest for your soul uh, quest here? 
we have plans to go to the US later this year. So we're going to do a tour over there, which I'm super excited about. I haven't been back since I lived in Nashville. Um, so I'm pumped for that. We're also going to go to the UK and Europe and um, dates haven't been announced, but keep an eye out on my socials. <laughs> yeah. And we will definitely link to all those in our social media. So now, Wilson, I should tell you that while most artists have that one song that's the key to their encore here at Pop Life. We have a little game we play with our guests called the Fast Five. So Wilson, I want to ask you five either or questions, all related to music. So in your area of expertise, I'm going to ask you to follow your heart and make tough choices and pick okay. one of the other answers, starting with question number one for you. If you had to pick one musical group to represent Australia, would it be 1980s icons in excess or the Thunder from Down Under, ACDC. Oh, ACDC. <laughs> I think that's literally, I love Michael Hutchins, but literally I think the only answer there is, is yeah, ACDC. Yeah. <laughs> so question number two for you, Wilson. If you could sit down and have a cup of coffee and a chat with one legendary late soul singer, would you pick Etta James or Aretha Franklin? Oh my God, don't do that to me. <laughs> They're literally my top two favorite singers in the whole of history. <laughs> Pop um, life is a hard life. To talk to. I reckon, okay, as my edit, Aretha Franklin is my number one favorite singer, but I've heard a little about her personality and like red stories and stuff that she's maybe not as nice to talk to as Edda James. So I'm going to go with Etta James. <laughs> that would might be a slightly more pleasant cup of coffee. So question yep. number three for you, Wilson. One day when you have the opportunity to headline one of these major global festivals, would you choose Coachella or Glastonbury? Mm, Coachella, yeah. Coachella, okay. Probably better weather, Glastonbury. Yeah. It's always Glastonbury. <laughs> so question number four for you, Wilson. Your new album, which is amazing, by the way, is titled Those Days Are Over. Which of these titles is more likely to be the follow-up? Would it be, oh, God, those days are back and they are worse than ever? Or, <laughs> in retrospect, those days weren't so bad after all? Oh, man, the second one, for sure. Um, they weren't so you, bad. You always have a different perspective a few years later on, on life events, I think. <laughs> we In America, we often say, boy, remember how we thought last year was bad? Wait yeah. until we got to this year. So finally for you, Wilson, question number five. I know you perform a duet of your song Hurt So Bad with John Teske. So which of these male performers would you pick for your next duet? Would you pick Stevie Wonder or Lionel Richie? Oh, Stevie Wonder, 100%. Come I on, love you got it. No <laughs> doubt. So, Wilson, final question for you. We always like to ask our guests what they love in pop culture, what's part of their pop life. So, in addition to listening to Stevie Wonder and the Teskey Brothers and Aretha Franklin, are there TV shows you're binging, things you're watching, folks you're listening to? What's in your pop life? Um, TV shows I'm watching The Last of Us at the moment, which is really cool. I also don't really know why I'm doing it to myself because I hate scary shows and zombies <laughs> but here we are <laughs> every show i've got my like hands over my face and uh, yeah anyway it's really good though <laughs> that um, is a great choice yeah yeah uh what was the other question oh anything any artists you're listening to right now oh, other, other folks that you're really loving um at the moment 
Have you heard of Budjara? He's an Indigenous singer from Australia. B-U-D-G-E-R-A-H. And he's really, he's like neo-soul and he's got an amazing voice. I'd look him up. (laughs) Absolutely. Some wonderful suggestions. In addition to looking up Those Days Are Over, the new album from Wilson, and keeping an eye out for those tour dates. Wilson, thank you so much for joining us. And to our listeners, I'll ask you to remember, whether it's soul, samba, surf, or psychedelic, if it's on your playlist, we'll be talking about it here on Pop Life. I will see you all next time. Thanks for listening to Pop Life, a production of WAER, Syracuse Public Media. You can find archived episodes at WAER.org. And don't forget to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen for automatic delivery of new episodes. Thank you.